0: Coming up in Need to Know, we recap the coronation of King Charles III with our friend and royal family tea spiller, Emily Schreiber. In all the fields, transracial. Is it a thing or is it a mess? And in Gotta Do, Money May continues as we give you the tips on where to save, where to splurge, and how to cut out frivolous spending. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your very best life. This is Ward and Webster. Isaiah, what you not going to (laughs) do is edit my things. I had a, that's why I was struggling because I, because I had an opening and, and you just,
1: you know, going in there messing around hello well, first well first of all hello to you bianca welcome <laughs> to another week and i had to correct your opening script because you referred to the king of england by a, a colloquialism using it's, a nickname and i was like you're king, not gonna have me out here losing my little coins coming in from charles and camilla i'm not i'm not messing with you <laughs> it's a king chuck <laughs> king chuck Oh, King <laughs> Chuck. I don't know who that is. We're going to put some respect on it today. Are okay. we? <laughs> okay. Well, it's... at least for a little while.
0: <laughs> Just, okay. Uh, <laughs> this week's episode of Warden Webster is brought to you by the letter K. Today I am feeling kind of exhausted. It has been a week. I had a little, uh work travel I was in the ATL which was delicious by the way I I need to recap on another episode all of the food that I ate in 72 hours and how it blessed my soul but it was just just the time but now I am I am kind of exhausted but I'm here with you so you're welcome
1: So we have a great guest uh, that's going to join us here in a second. But before Emily joins the show, I just have to talk to you about this CNN town hall that they had with your with your boy, Donald J. Trump on Wednesday night. Did you by chance uh, you were traveling? So you probably didn't have time for this fucker in foolishness.
0: I was um, definitely in the air. What had happened? And he is never
1: my boy. So they had him on, you know, they like to do these town halls. They've done them with Joe Biden. They've done done them with a lot of folks. It's kind of like their go-to format during the primary season on CNN. And even before we get into what happened at the town hall, even before it happened, Bianca, people were in their feelings and saying that this was a bad choice. Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. He's been found liable in civil court for being a sexual abuser and a defamer. And so the question is, why would you give him any sort of platform where he can essentially have a campaign rally on your network air. Like people were saying even before it happened that this was this was a choice and that CNN should not have made the choice. It goes without saying there's been a lot of upheaval at CNN. Their ratings have not been good. Their talent has been in and out of the lineup. They have lots of incentives to, to try to get him on because obviously the ratings were going to be through the roof. I'll share after I say what happened, why I think they did it, but just let's just get to what happened. He gets on there. The audience is all either Trump supporters or Republican voters in New Hampshire who are open to being Trump supporters. So there were no independents in the room. There were no Democrats in the room. So by design, Bianca, this is an audience that are inclined to agree with him and like him. There were times during the town hall when they were laughing about the fact that Eugene Carroll was assaulted. There were times in the room where they were like hooting and hollering. At one point he calls the moderator, Caitlin Collins, a nasty person and the crowd cheers. He lied from start to finish. I only watched 30 minutes of it. The lies were coming so fast, Bianca, that I couldn't even keep track of them. I tried to like jot some down because I wanted to talk to you in the wonders about it. It was just like bowled over with lies just to give you the notes. He says that he's going to pardon the insurrectionist. Even if they're Proud Boys, he'll consider pardoning them. He said that um, the election was stolen. He says um, he doesn't owe an apology to Mike Pence, even though his supporters tried to hang him. He said that there were nice, fine people on January 6th that just, you know, it wasn't all insurrectionists. It was Antifa and Black Lives Matter. <laughs> he said he said he didn't know E. Jean Carroll, never met her, even <laughs> though there's even though there's pictures of him and her, he never met her. It's all lies. She's, you know, trash. I mean, he, it was terrible. Caitlin Collins tried to pin him down on whether or not he would sign into law a national abortion ban. He would not say. He was asked about guns. He's like, oh yeah, guns are fine. We need more guns. It's the mental health people. He literally said crazy people It's that are pulling the triggers, not the guns. I mean, it was outrageously crazy. And all I could do is, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, this is less about Trump and more about us, because for him to even be on my TV right now Mm -hmm. is a reflection Mm -hmm. of the fact that he's a viable presidential candidate. He is the leading candidate to be the Republican nominee. And as you know, Hillary Clinton can tell y'all, once you're a nominee, your chances of winning are 50-50. So basically, Mm. he's about to have a 50-50 chance of being back in the White House. Make it...
0: Oh, makes sense, and I'm glad I couldn't. I don't even think I would have been able to stomach to watch to even grace my eyes on that there um,
1: foolishness and fuckery. But why CNN and not Fox News? Because he's trying. He's already got the Fox News people. I think if you're if you're the Trump campaign, you don't need to spend your time on Fox. You are those people are your bread and butter. They're sending you money every other week. He is working to broaden his. Appeal to the elector. He knows he can only beat Joe Biden if he gets closer to 50%. CNN is quote unquote mainstream, Fox is fringe. Mm. So they're now, his campaign is fully moving out of fringe back into the mainstream. I want to talk a little bit, Bianca, about why I think CNN did this. We have to take Donald Trump seriously as a presidential candidate. No matter what we may think of it, his chances of winning are higher than. The only other person I think has a higher chance of winning is Joe Biden. I really think this could potentially come down to Biden and Trump again. So we have to take him seriously. Where CNN went wrong is the format. They put him in a format where he could control what happened. He should have been in the studio one-on-one with a hard news anchor who was going to pin him down on literally everything he said. And ideally, the interview should have been recorded, not live, so that they can strip out all of his misinformation and lies and presented to the viewers in a balanced way. By having a room full of his supporters there, it allowed him to play to them. They're cheering and hooting and hollering. He just ran over Caitlin Collins. Caitlin Collins was not the right choice for this. She does not have gravitas. She does not have the ability to keep him on task. Donald Trump is the type of person where you have to think really seriously about the optics, choosing like a meek, Soft-spoken woman for that role wasn't it. They should have gone to their strongest guy that they, Wolf Blitzer would have been better. John King would have been better. John King's very tall. He's very physically imposing. And that's the type of presence that you put on the stage with Donald Trump because he's going to try to intimidate no matter who you put on there. But Caitlin Collins, that was just too much of a pushover. There should have been an alpha male on the stage with Trump to try to rein him in if I were produced if I were a producer at CNN, that is the route I would have went. <sighs> Sometimes I got nothing. I
0: because the fact that he is at this point a viable candidate really confuses me. It makes me sick to my stomach. Like, how the fuck do we keep getting here? The fact that he was even president to this day, I have to say, how was Donald Trump ever a thing? And here we are after all of the shit that he has done after all of the shit that he has done and 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 now at least some of it being found guilty for he is still a a candidate he there is still a possibility
1: no i can't Mm -mm. no fix it jesus fix it black jesus well, I'm going to move us forward. I'm going to introduce Emily because mm-hmm. um, she might have something to add to this this topic even before we get yes, into please. the royals. So let's <laughs> let's shift gears and we'll put the question to her. In this week's Need to Know, we look back at the coronation of King Charles III and Queen Camilla with special guest Emily Schreiber. Is it possible to scale down an event that involves putting crowns on people's heads? <laughs> Emily. So you're a faithful wonder. We are so happy that you finally made it here. How does it feel?
2: Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this day for so long. It's, it's so, so nice funny. that my running monologue will now become a dialogue when I listen.
1: <laughs> so um, go ahead,
0: go ahead, Bianca. No, I was going to say you are a faithful wonder, Emily, since since the beginning. Thank you for your dedication you're to welcome. the shit that comes out of Isaiah's mouth. <laughs> So uh, I was I will...
2: offended for, on your behalf last week.
0: Okay. You know what? I didn't even, I, I, I rare, I rarely miss an episode and I didn't listen to last week's yet. Cause I was like, I know he said some foolishness, like <laughs> I I'm sure, but I I'll listen, but it's yes. every week.
2: <laughs> I will say it was a great episode.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So Emily, um, I am not as big into huge introductions as Bianca is, but before we get into today, I just wanted to share a little bit with the listeners about how we know you and then whatever you wanted to add to that. So I've known Emily for more than 11 years now because we've worked together for more than 11 years. And even though Bianca has jumped ship, Emily and I still work together because she's what great. (laughs) (laughs) And you're petty. And we've become friends outside of work. And Emily, in addition to British royalty, you were also really big into reality television, if I'm not mistaken, and really big into football and quite a number of things, actually.
2: Yeah, I think I am a pop culture guru. My mom had a People Magazine subscription growing up, and I like literally started reading it as soon as I learned to read. So when you last year at Gala when you didn't know who Blake Lively was, I like hit me in the heart. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. your Another one of your expertises is policy and legislative affairs. So before yes. we even get into why you're here, just your reaction to what happened on CNN this week.
2: Ugh, awful, disgusting, depressing. I think, you know, when you said that he wouldn't talk about um, the abortion ban, I think it's because he is trying to go more mainstream and he doesn't want to admit that he'll sign that. But the minute if he is elected again and they pass that, that he will sign that. But that will get too many voters to go away from him. So they will not admit that as for as long as they can.
1: Yeah, I have to admit there was some political genius on his part in that town hall for as caustic as he chose to be. Every time she tried to pin him down into a hardcore position, he wouldn't allow himself to be pinned down. And it was the hallmark of a politician trying to have it multiple ways. He doesn't want to be caught on tape saying that he will sign something that he knows is not popular. And that is that's growth from from 2016. <laughs> Unfortunate, but true. Okay, let's get into this uh, coronation. Emily is a huge uh, British royalty. I don't know. What would be the word? How would you, how would, well, I'm gonna let you describe it. How would you describe your fandom with it?
2: So I'd say I am fascinated with the royal family because I like history. I like gossip. I like celebrity and like sort of how that impacts our culture, but I am also an anti-monarchist. So I don't actually think like the royal family should be living off of British tax dollars. But I will not stop reading about them or consuming media about them. So I'm part of the problem.
1: <laughs> well, I <love> your honesty. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where most Americans sit. If I'm being honest, I follow social media. I have friends, obviously, and I have quite a few friends that are like, "Oh, the monarchy should go to hell. We should get rid of this. We should do whatever." Oh, y'all want to get up at six and watch it? <laughs> like, but wait, what you just say? Get rid of it. <laughs>
0: literally, my Jamaican mother was like, I don't care about this, but I'm recording it anyway. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. I read every single article I could about like the colonialism, but I also was watching it at 6am on a Saturday. So well,
1: let's just, let's just start there, guys. Why do we care about this? And more to the point, why do we pretend like we don't when we actually do?
2: we care about it because it's so different than the United States. You know, we don't, we've only been around since the 1700s and the late ones of that, but we don't have like a royal family that you can look up at this. It's much more political than just like family dynamics. Part of it is also our American, like we, we shouldn't care about these British people. Like we got our independence from them. Like we beat them, but it is interesting. I don't know. And you know, it's just fascinating to like, you have so much history with this family itself. Like we know all of the dynamics of Camilla and Charles's marriage, Camilla and Diana's marriage now, their sons and their marriages and like how that's playing out. Um, I think also with the Harry and Meghan escape to the United States, I kind of feel like a different ownership over the royal family because now it's like, oh, well, we have one of you here.
1: I I fought Disney. And I'm gonna tell you why I fought Disney. <laughs> yeah, they built awesome. this, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you Maybe. why. They built this whole American culture around Prince Charming and this whole idea that some some prince is gonna ride in on this white horse and sweep you off your feet and American girls grow up with this whole fantasy oh my god he's gonna get down on one knee he's gonna give me a huge diamond. and he's gonna carry me over the threshold I'm gonna wear a tiara at my wedding it's gonna be I'm gonna be a princess and so this whole idea of like this fairy tale princess thing that's the fantasy that a lot of girls have so the fact that Camilla is actually getting a crown on her head in real life <laughs> people get to live vicariously through her and I think a lot of American girls and women even though they don't want to admit it they would love to be coronated and to have a crown on their head and to wear this huge fabulous gown and to have all these people look at them at this ceremony I feel like people don't want to admit that that's the fantasy that so many women have now I'm not a woman you both are so y'all can straighten me completely out um No, (laughs) maybe, I don't know, no. But
0: I do think, I I think Emily brought up a great point in terms of just the history of it. Like this is one family that has literally been part of the history and the fabric (laughs) of this country long before we even existed. So to have them in such a, like they have always been in a public eye, the entire family, the entire lineage. We don't have that in the United States. So I think that that's, and again, those family dynamics make it very interesting. Princess Diana was our princess, you know, I think even more so, Camilla and child, I don't you know whatever. But uh, <laughs> And now Megan. But so I think there is there, there is some, some tie because we in some shape or form, grew up with them.
1: Emily, I want to start with this central question. Obviously, Charles wanted to do a scale down, scale back, modern, whatever word you want to use type of coronation, because I think had they done the traditional one, it would have been truly jarring for a lot of folks. This was the first coronation in more than 70 years. I think the last one was 1953 for Queen Elizabeth II. And in her coronation, there was a lot of elements in it that they did not repeat. They didn't repeat it because people would have truly been like, what is this? My question to you is, can you really scale back an event where at the conclusion of it, you're putting a crown on someone's head? Because in my mind, those two things don't really go together. There's no, there's no timid way to crown someone.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you can't scale down a $125 million event, or you can't call that scaled down. Before watching, I'd kind of forgotten. It's also a religious ceremony because the monarch, the head of England is also the head of the Anglican church. So they're also being crowned as that. And that's like why they anoint them with the oils and stuff. That's like happening. That happened behind the drapes. Charles is really into like green and conservation. Uh, So he actually reused a lot of things that had been used before, as opposed to making them new, which is different than has happened in the past. I think Camilla's crown is the first time that a crown has been reused for a queen consort. So that I think was part of it, but also it's like, it was still $125 million weekend. So, you know, he had to, cut costs where he could it was interesting though for being scaled down it was so much pomp and circumstance there was nothing casual about it he down to like the cue cards that they had to make sure that not a word was misspoken yeah I wouldn't call this scaled down but I am intrigued to be like what the scaled up would be
1: so a couple of the other modern flourishes he invited folks from different faiths to be present to acknowledge uh, other faiths outside of his own, he gave women speaking roles and other prominent roles in the ceremony, particularly the two female bishops that were the communion attendants. He put a whole gospel choir in the middle of the in the middle of the Westminster Abbey to sing some songs and bring some life into the ceremony. So I really think, you know, he he did everything he could to make this white, antiquated. Ceremony, modern, vibrant, and diverse. I mean, they really went as far as they could go in terms of like trying to modernize it. Emily, do you think they succeeded?
2: I think they succeeded as much as they could when you're crowning somebody who is white. I was actually interested there wasn't as much talk about the commonwealth countries and i was kind of intrigued to see how they would be included i know that camilla's robes i think were embroidered with some sort of flowers that i think did touch on the commonwealth but i mean the commonwealth is going to fall apart during charles's kingdom or rule uh you know a lot of places have already said that they are going to move forward with not having england be their monarch I wonder if that was also part of it was to not call attention to how many countries are currently in the Commonwealth and how many will be even in the next year.
1: They allowed Prince Andrew to be fully present in his uh, regalia, sitting in a position of honor. Obviously, Prince Harry was there. A lot of people said he was snubbed, though, to be clear, Harry is not a working royal and he was one row behind the princess royal. So, To my eyes, that wasn't a snub. How did you view it?
2: I felt the same. You know, it was the first two rows where the working royals, which do include some people that, especially in America, we've never heard of. It's a lot of cousins, but they are working and they are old. So if you like look at how many working royals there are, there's really the only people that are under 70 are Kate and William, and then Edward and Sophie. Edward is the youngest brother of Prince Charles. I did not find his seating a snub. I continue to be annoyed that they will not let him wear his military gear since he actually served in the military. Mm -hmm. And the only thing he did was move to the United States. Unlike Prince um, Andrew has been incredibly uh, accused of sexual assault and rape, Mm -hmm. but he was there with his regalia. So I think, I don't think the seating was a snub. It did People were interacting with Harry. He walked in with his cousins. The Princess Royal had a nice conversation with him. So it does seem like he has relations with his extended family.
1: Bianca, did you watch it at all? Uh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? I take that back. Because um, I'm i like, where was I? I did wake up Hopefully again. Asleep. I, no, I, well, I was awake. And like I said, my mother was watching it. And she did record it. So if I wanted to go back like I could and watch but I did listen to, again, Today Explained, did a really great episode on this here shenanigans and, and foolishness. For those who don't know, who's the Princess Royal? Is that Camilla? <laughs> no. So <laughs> I will who's have that? It.
2: So the Princess Royal <laughs> is Princess Anne, who is Charles's sister. Queen Elizabeth had four children, Charles, then Anne, uh, then Andrew, and then Edward. Um, So Anne is Charles's sister. Uh, Princess Royal is... Typically would go to, like, the oldest daughter, but it's also the highest title that somebody can get in, like, the royal family as a woman, other than Queen. Princess Anne is a working royal. She actually does the most amount of events of any Mm. working royal by a lot. Um, So she is actually, like, not only a working royal, she's the hardest
0: working royal. I mean, Uh, women. But also, (laughs) I honestly did not know that she existed until... Elizabeth crossed over, yes. and I was—they <laughs> were doing, you know, all these different things and talking about the kids, and I was like, "Wait a minute! It's not just Charles and Andrew. <laughs> I didn't know about the other two.
2: Yeah, um, let alone Anne. Anne actually fought off kidnappers when she was like in her late teens or early twenties, and like with her bodyguards, successfully got away from kidnappers. Which is just a little fun fact for you." <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's <laughs> she's she's really fascinating. Actually, she could have her own Netflix show. If I'm mm-hmm. being honest, there's two. She moments. wait. Also,
2: interesting yeah. thing about Anne is Anne had dated Camilla Parker Bowles' first husband when, like, Camilla and Charles were having their thing off mm. in the early 70s and 80s. Yeah, very incestual uh, community. <laughs> <laughs> is Anne married? She is. She's been married twice. So she was married to Mark Phillips who is the father of her two children. And they divorced the same year that Charles and Andrew did, which is why it's like one of the many reasons that that's called like Anna's Horribless or the horrible year for the queen. It's 96, right? Yeah. Um, And she is now married to, um, his name's Timothy Lawrence and they've been married since 1992.
1: Yeah, Timothy Lawrence. And they and that's uh, the only reason I knew of him is because the crown covered um the fact that when she told the queen she was gonna marry him, um, there was this big kind of fight between her and the queen. Who knows if that really happened or not? But that title was depicted on the show. I also, wanted One the... other
2: interesting thing is her children do not have royal titles. So w- this is something we like learned a lot about with the Meghan Harry grandchildren. Are they princesses prince things? So typically if you are the grandchild of a the monarch, you're automatically conferred prince or princess, but she and her first husband thought that usually like your peerage, which is like your title comes through the husband and he didn't have that. So they chose not to give them titles. So they are just like, Mr. And miss, they don't have a princess or a HRH, but like the children of Andrew are both princesses.
1: Imagine the resentment. If you didn't get your HRH or your prince or princess, cause your mama didn't think you should have it. <laughs> I would be Apparently, mad. As hell.
2: I know I would be too, but apparently they lead, lead much more normal lives, which is the intention, but
1: I want to get into two moments during the coronation that stuck out to me and then Bianca didn't watch. And then Emily, if you had a moment, so two my two moments, when William, the Prince of Wales knelt before his father to do the, uh, I guess, I think it's the homage, but it was Mm -hmm. really pledging his allegiance to the crown. He said his little bit, um, he got up and he kissed his father on the cheek. It was the one moment where Charles's face kind of broke from that stoic, just look like just scrawl that he had on his face for the whole two hours. It was the one time where you could see some emotion. It was genuine emotion. And I thought it was very endearing for both he and William. That was my first moment. The second moment is before the queen was crowned, the bishop takes the crown off of the little, I guess. I don't know what you call that, table, he comes towards her and he lifts it above her head and she looks, she kind of, her eyes get wide and she kind of fidgets a little bit. I'm like, girl, what's the matter? <laughs> I thought she was going to jump up. I don't know. It just seemed like she wasn't prepared to be crowned after all these many, many years. And I was like, of the, of the whole thing, those two moments stick in my mind. What about you?
2: Uh, I noticed that too. Uh, I thought it was very funny. And she was like playing with her hair afterwards. She was like, really? So I don't yes. know if like maybe in rehearsal, something went wrong. I did read like the crowns were like over five pounds each. So I, I'm assuming maybe she was also afraid it was going to like fall off or like really girding her neck muscles. I'm not really sure. But yeah, that was funny. And I was just like, wanted. I was thinking, I was like, put your hands down. Like you look bad trying to like fix your hair. But it was nice to see Charles have some actual emotion and have something that wasn't so rehearsed, it felt like. I also really enjoyed um, watching the kids. I felt like they were watching kind of like me, like, oh, well, this is kind of interesting and what's going on? So it was funny to see sort of like their interactions with each other. And I saw Prince Louis, Louis, I don't know which one, how they pronounce it. He had to be taken out for a little bit. But he, got, he came back. He's a young. five.
0: I did hear that uh, Lionel Richie saying <laughs> So yes. it was a concert. I, so, I kept seeing snippets of Lionel Richie's interaction. So there, it was like over a, the weekend.
2: It was technically a three-day event. So the first day was Saturday, and that was the coronation, and they had like the actual ceremony and the processional and all of that stuff, the flyover, and then on Sunday they did something called the big lunch, which I guess like everyone in England was supposed to have lunch and then they had the coronation concert and then Monday was a bank holiday and they were all supposed to do volunteer work so uh that was like what the intention of the bank holiday was that everyone should do volunteer work but the coronation concert yes Lionel Richie performed Katy Perry performed uh both of those are American um (laughs) yes uh
0: and from American uh, Idol
2: yes Lionel Richie is actually supposedly friendly with Charles and has won has been like given an award by Prince Charles before but there were a lot of rumors that like people turned down like I know it was rumored Ed Sheeran turned it down but then he said he was never invited so, so. <laughs> I'm sure there's somewhere in the middle there
0: he had his own shit going on <laughs> <That> is- <laughs>
1: There's there's one person that I've seen a lot of this week that I wish people would leave out of this and that's Diana Spencer, the former Princess of Wales. People are saying, "Oh, she's my queen, she's the people's queen." Even Bianca referred to her as the as the as a queen in this particular podcast. Diana is is deceased and has been for many 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 years and I wish number 1 people would just respect the fact that she's no longer here. Number 2, as you both know, Diana divorced Charles in 1996 even if she were alive on saturday last week she would not have been the queen of england she would not have even been at the service because they weren't married so camilla is not taking anything away from diana because diana wouldn't have would never have been queen that's it, that's all, period. And so it's, it's fascinating to me that people keep saying, people keep having some feelings about Camilla Parker Bowles and they don't like her and, th- and this and that. Camilla was never married to Diana. She made no commitments to Diana. It was Charles who married Diana. It was Charles who cheated on Diana. It was Diana who cheated on Charles. Camilla had nothing to do with that. And I just wish people would leave Diana out of it. And I wish that they would stop projecting onto Camilla. Camilla, as far as I know, Camilla has never done anything to anybody. We can talk about Harry and Meghan. We can talk about Diana. N- we have never heard not one word that Camilla has said or done to those individuals. And if I'm wrong, correct me. I think one, we like Diana better. And two,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it is the when Princess Diana. Died. That is one of those moments where I'm like, I remember exactly where I was, right? Because I think there was so much, even before that, so much tabloid and drama and all of the things that that surrounded it. And then her death, there was just so much tragedy in it. I think that that is just one of those moments in time in our in history that I think people can remember and think about and reflect and and perhaps think about the impact of her death because if diana if they had divorced and diana went on to live and was alive now i don't think we would think about it in the same way i know i wouldn't but but you're right charles made choices <laughs> 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 diana made cho- everybody made everybody made choices okay more, so i get that but it's still i don't know it's
1: if it's, it weren't for elizabeth and the royal family charles would have married camilla From the, from the very beginning, this is the woman he always loved and they wouldn't let him marry her. And so that's some bullshit. That's some bullshit. He married Diana to create offspring and for them to be quote unquote pure. That's some bullshit right there. And so like, if they would have allowed him to marry Camilla from the beginning, Diana would have never been entangled in any of this.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I think Camilla was in Diana's social circle and like took her to lunch the week of their wedding you know I think that there's probably some things she could have been a lot nicer about and like with Harry and Meghan you know I mean she did her photo is like in front of some black Morph statues I don't think she's like the best person I think people are having the reaction to like the side chick winning and I use winning kind of facetiously but you know it's like oh wow she played the long game like those kind of things my boots on the ground report because my sister and her husband accidentally planned a trip to England during the coronation. They booked this before the coronation date was announced. So they were there. It was very rainy on Saturday and they said that people were calling it Diana's revenge because Friday and Sunday were both beautiful. Um, but they also reported that people seemed much more into it than they thought they would be. We talked about like how they were trying to be inclusive. They did. So the crown that Camilla wore um, had been worn in the previous by
1: Queen Mary's
2: grandmothers yes 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 during that coronation um so they did remove it's the Kohenor diamond and it was stolen from I think it was the Indian emperor at the time but it might be on Pakistani land I'm not quite sure uh so they actually removed that from the crown because they've been India has been asking for it back it's been a very controversial known diamond except then that she's like the necklace that she wore had something called the Lahore diamond which is stolen from the same area they kept diamonds in the crown from South Africa and it's I feel like they're very much like one step forward (laughs) and like five steps back when it comes to colonialism and understanding the royal family's role in that um and I think they'd just be much better off if they were like yeah that was really fucked up can I say fuck on this
1: well, to be fair, you can't. Yes, yes, to be yes. fair to them, you can curse good as <laughs> all the time. To be fair to them, Emily, yes. if they took out all of stolen stuff out of their ceremonies, they'd have nothing to wear.
2: Yes, you're oh, right, but they'd have Sam. enough money. They have enough money that has also been stolen to replace it.
1: That so so hold on.
0: If they don't if they <laughs> give back
1: the they're not going to. they're not going things
0: to. and um on the Today Explained episode, you know there was all. There is some, there are countries that are just like, admit the the shit that you did. Just just say it out loud. And um, they were saying that the reason why they won't
1: is because reparations. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly why. Now Once, their money. If you admit that what you did was wrong, then you have to account for that. And mm. that, that would mean admitting you did it means you're gonna give it back. You can't admit you stole something and then not return it. How'd that work? uh, Bianca, I admit I broke into your house and stole your blender, but I'm not giving it back. (laughs) You better give me my goddamn blender. (laughs) And wash it first. (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg made a very good point on the view. So I'm going to bring her point into this space. Mm. Because a lot of people beat the the monarchies up for the stolen shit. And she's like, you know what? Every country steals stuff. She's like, the white people came to America and stole almost a whole continent. So (laughs) if we, if we want to have a conversation about countries that have stolen stuff that does not just apply to the British Royal family, most prosperous countries became prosperous because they took shit that didn't belong to them. And so. I think we should hold them accountable. Colonialism is is bullshit. We all know that. But we need to broaden the conversation to be just beyond that. And one of the things, one of my, I don't have a lot of empathy for Charles and his family, but one of the things that I do, I will create space for, you know, Charles Windsor was born into this. He didn't ask to be king. This This is the path the universe placed before him. And yes, he can abdicate. He can give it all up but here's, what's, well, here's what will happen. If he doesn't do it, it goes to William. If William doesn't do it, it goes to George. They will just go down the line until someone agrees to do it. So one of the things I learned from Elizabeth II is it's your duty. You, you just fucking do your duty the best you can because if you're not willing to do it, someone else will do it for you. And so that's what it is.
2: Yeah, I think there's a way to like toe the line of doing your duty and acknowledging like, this wasn't great. Um, you know, I think we've seen this when they travel, there was a lot of controversy around, um, Prince William and Kate's, uh, trip to the islands last year, because like they danced around a lot of things and they never just said it. And I think if they had simply said like the British Royal family had a role in slavery, it would have been better. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pay reparations, but you need to acknowledge that that happened, especially when people are begging you to do so.
1: And I think the only reason they won't say it is because they know that if they do, they're going to have to pay something. You can't just say that and then leave.
2: Oh, so now we're leaving. Which what? Um, I have one more fun slash interesting fact. Um, so for every coronation in like sort of more modern history, there's a coronation dish. So if you've heard of coronation chicken, which is like a curry chicken salad that was um, invented for Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. So they may-
0: Wait, Charles's hold on, hold on, hold on. Not a curry chicken salad using yeah, well, a spice that you stole <laughs> from anyway, another country. Carry
2: really, on. it ties right in. It ties right in. Um, so Charles's is a coronation quiche, which had spinach, tarragon, and broad beans, which I had to look up. They're bava beans, which is a very interesting quiche recipe to me. I've never had beans in quiche, but the British do love their beans for
0: dinner for breakfast. So they do. That sounds bland and just about right.
2: Apparently, some <laughs> not like thought. that curry chicken. <laughs> I know some people thought it was too French.
0: So, oh, too sure.
1: Emily, we will have you back during election season when the primaries heat up. When the primaries mm-hmm. heat up, because I'm sure you'll have a lot to add. And when we talk about The Bachelor, we'll have you on, because I feel like you may be you watching that. I
2: mean, I've fallen off The Bachelor, but uh, you I, if you Real want to talk me about any Bravo show, yeah. <gasps> Come Atlanta on just 90- started
1: a new season. Oh, I
2: know. And did you see Corey and Kim are getting divorced?
1: Yes, yes
0: I did see that.
1: <laughs> yes, Emily Schreiber, thanks for joining us. It's great that you finally made it here. And thanks for helping us to deconstruct the Royal yeah. Wedding, not the Royal Wedding, the Royal Cornish. <laughs>
2: Charles's dream came true and so did mine. Hey!
0: <laughs> I love <it>. Everybody wins. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Emily. Emily. Thanks, guys. In all the fields, if race is a social construct, can we choose our race? So let me tell you how this came to be. And I'm not going to, I told myself I wasn't even going to spend too much time on this um, all the feels, because I feel like you can just, I don't know, go a whole lot of places. And um, I got shit to do. (laughs) So we're not. When I was looking up, um, when I was looking for the May book, I stumbled upon um, this book called White Girl Within. And I don't even know how I even found it. But the author is Ronnie Gladden. And Ronnie Gladden um, is a professor, so let me put some respect on it, Dr. And I think their pronouns are they them, Doctor Ronnie Gladden. And the book, um, so the preface of the book, told through dreams, domestic violence, dramatic reenactments, semi-autobiographical reflections, and social critique. White girl within letters of self-discovery between a transgender and transracial black man and his inner female by the award-winning educator Ronnie Gladden tells the true to life and improbable story of a black man named Ronnie who is struggling with an internalized and nameless white girl identity. Uniquely structured as a series of letters written between white girl and Ronnie, the reader, um, will get to experience how popular culture and art emergence uh, serves as a buffer between complex interactions involving the two of them. Okay. So as I was digging more into Ronnie Gladden, so apparently they identify as his inner <laughs> rep- repressed white female identity. He's a, he is a black man but this is how he identifies and and kind of navigates through this book then it got me to remembering uh Rachel Dolezal <laughs> um who is for for those who may have rem- Forgotten. Um, Rachel Dolezal was a white woman, very much so. Both of her parents. I think she's of like Czech and German descent. She is. She is a white woman, but she was identifying as black, um, passing as black. I think president of the NAACP chapter in her <laughs> in her area until she had gotten found out. <laughs> <laughs> and people were like, "Wait a minute. I think even her mother had come out and was like, "Um, she's white." And she was even, I think, also claiming um, Native American ancestry and descent. So So Rachel was like, "I am United Color of Benetton, <laughs> but not white. I am a black woman first. Curly uh, tried to rock her kinky curly hair and everything and was living that way. And so I, why comes to mind, first and foremost. And so some people have, so as I was the Ronnie Gladden thing took me down this this rabbit hole because then I was seeing all these articles where I was like, oh, well, if people can say they're transgender, why can't they say they're transracial and all these other things? And we're like, no, that's, that's two different things. What are your thoughts on that? I can't, I don't think I can wake up tomorrow and go to, um, go into my local grocery store <laughs>
1: and start telling people that I am a a white woman. So I think I would like to first, um, I want to completely parking lot of Rachel Dolezal because I want to come back to her because I don't want to leave that part out. But I do want to just do some basic level setting around Dr. Ronnie Gladden. And I first want to just share, I want to remind you Bianca and then tell the wonders that it's not unusual to have a gender expression that's inconsistent with an identity. So that's a thing and, and that's not actually, that's not even weird, it's, that, that's a very common thing. So you can have a, an expression and an identity that aren't on the same page. And it sounds to me, I don't know much about Dr. Gladden, but based on what you just said, I think their expression would be black trans man. But that the identity, the gender identity, is not is something else. Is is maybe white woman? Is that what I'm? Did I did I give that correct? Did I give that back to you correctly? I believe so. Okay, so then if you if we think about it through that lens, it's not as convoluted as it might at first blush seem, because I think that that takes us back to a space where you and I are a little bit more on firmer ground, because I think. It's, it's clear to me, at least, that sexual orientation, gender mm-hmm. identity, and gender expression are three different things and that they don't mm-hmm. have to be consistent. And oftentimes they aren't. So mm-hmm. it seems to me that Dr. Ronnie Gladden is a maybe a, an extreme example where the three are just not consistent. Now, I think the remarkable part about this is that a person of color would have an identity of a white woman when they're not, when their gender when their gender expression isn't a woman and they're Mm-mm. a person of color, like that's, that would strike me different. as kind of different. Like,
0: mm-hmm. you know, I, that's you what, kind of I, I right saw where you're going.
1: I saw where you were going. <laughs> so, like, so like, I think that's the challenge. It's like, cause the whole name of the book is white woman within. And it's like, really, really sis, we're doing this. That's, that's what we're doing. Like it couldn't, it couldn't be woman within. It couldn't be proud. It couldn't be black magic within. It had to be white woman within. Like why? Just like just the why? total opposite of how you,
0: yeah, how you see, how you see how you're seen, how you present. Because every video and now clips and things that I've seen, uh, I've seen Ronnie Doctor Gladden in. Um, they also present as a black man, but says that they are that there is this inner white
1: woman and to be fair yeah. neither one of us have read the book right so we're literally reading book. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if we read the uh, did, you, did you look into the book how long is it like how much how much effort do i have to put out i don't know should we add that to the <laughs> maybe we should add it to the list we don't want to feel- do it in the book club we could just read it and talk about it on the we, show we can we can um, but i haven't read the book but i mean you know Where this takes me is, you know, you talk a lot on this show about what we, what we deem valuable and what, you know, the, 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 you know, the value we place on things in society. And so what's so fucking fabulous about white girl that makes you, that that's your identity. Like what's wrong with uh, having a black girl within, like that's, that's where I go.
0: (laughs) That's where I would go too. (laughs) But to
1: be fair. But to be fair, to, but to be fair, I don't think that Dr. Gladen said there was anything wrong with it. Correct?
0: I, I haven't, I haven't seen or, or dived in to say. But <laughs> so then I found. Um, oh, we're we will come back to uh, Rachel Dolezal because I feel like the Ali London um, kind of falls within that same category. So Ali London, white queer man, identifies as Korean. <laughs> um and so I there was this really interesting and I had sense to so you, but you ain't got to, so you didn't watch but this conversation between Ali London and this black woman about what it means to be transracial and he was like I am a Korean man because I or, I don't know I read somewhere else I'm sorry because I think I read somewhere else that he is gender fluid so my identify as a Korean woman, but he <laughs> they were like, "I spent a lot of time in Korea. I enjoy I can cook Korean food. I can speak the language. This is where I believe that I am has had a lot of uh, plastic surgery and <laughs> plastic surgery as well because they believe that they are that transracial, that no, I am not. A, a white man. I am Korean. And what the Black woman said that, first of all, the conversation sis was getting him and it was <laughs> getting them. Sorry, because I don't know the pronouns. And it was so good because she was like, it's one thing to appreciate culture. She was like, there are a lot of things that I I can appreciate about Japanese culture. She said, but I'm a Black woman. She was like, "It for you to, and I think she even said <laughs> that he was colonizing <laughs> the culture by um, now declaring because of the time and, and that's how he was justifying it I've spent time there I know the language all of these things and I've had this plastic surgery and now I am identifying as a Korean man.
1: Well, to my mind, Bianca, this is a consequence of us allowing people to choose their identities. And and when we, and that's a society that you and I support, we want people to be able to say for themselves, this is who I am. And this is how I choose to identify. And so we have to, we have to own that. So when people choose to identify in a way that we find off-putting, it's still their, their body, their persona, their lives that they get to define. And so if you're a big old Black man and you say you feel like a white woman within, who who am I <laughs> to, tell you that, to tell you otherwise? And so that, that's kind of where we are these days. And you know me, I, I see everything in the political, and I apologize, Wanders, because I know y'all get so sick of it. But on the other side of the political divide, this is the biggest hammer that they have that they try to wield over us, because they say that we try to redefine what gender is. We try to redefine what it is to be a man, to be a woman, to be black, to be white. And so what they will, they will point at things like this and be like, see, see, they say you can be whatever you want to be. And this is crazy. And like, no, you can't pick the most extreme examples and try to paint such a broad brush. That's Mm -hmm. don't do that. But my point is that if we're going to say to people, you get to you get to self define. Well, then they they get to self define, even if the the self definition doesn't make sense to us. Mm-hmm. And I think the Rachel Dolezal thing is a perfect example. Just to go back to her for a second, mm-hmm. you and I not to speak for you, but I think you and I would both agree that that race is a is a social construct. It's made up, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if race is made up, then why can't Rachel be be a black woman? It's not even a real thing. But at the <laughs> <laughs> right. So we so we know that in theory, right?
0: However, we also know how much race dictates our lives. Okay? Literally Black Lives Matter exists because race is a is is a is a thing for forever, right? Since this forever, the way we can and cannot move throughout the world, through this country as Black people is significant because of our skin, because of of who we are. So to say, you're not, I I just, and then with Rachel, I was like, and then you were like, oh, and I'm going to be president of NAACP. And I'm going to tell people that I'm a Black woman. And I'm going to Shit, reap the benefits of being or whatever, you know, those privileges. Like I just that whole Rachel situation did not sit
1: well with me. It didn't remind me, is she, does she have any diversity in her DNA or is she just a straight up white woman? She yeah. hold on. And see. I asked because I honestly don't know. <laughs> she is. <laughs>
0: Okay. Dolizal was born in Lincoln County, Montana, <laughs> to Ruthann and Lawrence Dolezal, who are white and primarily of German, Czech, and Swedish origin. She was born as a blue-eyed, blonde, straight hair. She was born as blue-eyed, blonde with straight
1: hair. And so she
0: was white she's,
1: so she's... Neither, neither one of her parents were people of color and no. i'm going to assume that neither none of the four grandparents were people of color so Not then cause... so then i'm making a point here so then by uh-huh. the definitions that we would apply to in the modern day she's mm-hmm. she is by she's by no stretch is she a person of color because she doesn't have any discernible right heritage that isn't white mm-hmm. so then in that case because, and where I was going with that being, because, you know, some people, I don't, I don't, remember, I'm going to mangle the, like, if you have one drop of, of, of how do they used to say it? Um, that one drop rule? Yeah. That you are so black. Then, you have, mm-hmm. Exactly. So we, so, so for a lot, for a lot of white folks, I'm just going to put it to you this way. They, they don't even go on what you look like. If you have any, mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. Uh, uh, blood in you, that's not white within well, to them, you're not white. So then I was making the point of, I know that Rachel doesn't look like a black woman, but what does what, what does the but what does the lineage say? We now have the answer on that. And for these other, her
0: mama was like, mm, no. But um, coming back to Ali London, he has now, and because I was like, where? And I think pronouns are now he. I was like, where was I seeing him recently? <laughs> and I think um, last year he was on Fox News because now he uh, has converted back to. His um, white male self uh, has converted to Christianity, baptized. Now uh, very right wingish, and I was like, "You are just all over the map." All over the map, boo.
1: No, who's, who's Martina Biggs? I did you click it?
0: <laughs> it's Bianca. I just again a wh- I a rabbit hole okay a rabbit maybe that should be
1: the name of this episode rabbit hole it it
0: has to be because i was like who the hell is so born martina big a german model and actress that underwent perma tanning procedure to give herself a dark skin color and we're not even talking like she just she currently identifies as black However, she is actually white, (laughs) white, white. So breast implants, honey, hair. I didn't even know perma tanning was a thing, but she is. So then I was starting to see like um, she changed her name. She now has a Swahili name, Malika Kubwa. (laughs) She, because she transracial,
1: this we can i guess do and i'm this. looking i'm looking at her i'm looking at a photo of her and it looks like someone in blackface that that's what it, it looks like does. in the photo and i'm not saying this to be i'm not saying this to be funny it looks like a a white person in blackface yeah so i guess we've given four examples and the question is is transracial a thing i'm going to go ahead and say yes and i'm going to stick with i'm going to go with what i started with race is made up it was made up by white people to center power on themselves and to decenter power for other people it's not a real thing and if we and if we believe that if we believe that race is a social construct that doesn't really exist mm. then therefore yes you can be transracial it's all made up it's all it's all play it's all playhouse not <laughs> all play out the universe it, the universe does not acknowledge race the, heaven, the heavens, if you believe in that, does not acknowledge the race. That is all he, by human design for very specific reasons. Mm-hmm. The universe does not acknowledge it at all and never will.
0: I think it's interesting, though, because I was as I was going down this rabbit hole that I f- what I was finding were more were primarily people who were born white, white people who were choosing to be people of color.
1: But Bianca, we've talked about plenty of black folks here who are lightening their skins. You sent me the uh, the baseball mm-hmm. player. There's other <laughs> famous musicians who passed on. I'm not gonna call their names. There's plenty of people, there's plenty of black folks who mm-hmm. are trying to lighten their skin to look white. Don't make me go. I will pull every receipt over here. So <laughs> I just
0: wonders. <laughs> this would be a great time to slide into our things. Transracial, what do you what do you think that's what do you think that's about? And it's not even necessarily an agree or disagree, but yeah, we we want to know. I definitely want
1: to hear from the wonders on this because I don't I don't know. Now I will say this: I'm gonna and I will call this weird. It is weird that if you believe in trans race. If you believe in a transracial thing to go back and forth, now that's just straight up weird. Because I don't understand how you're gonna walk in one day as a white man and walk in the next day as a black man and walk in the next day as a Hispanic woman. What are we doing? Like I, that is just <laughs> doing the most. So I do think it's weird that the one example I think his name was Ali. He like uh-huh. mm-hmm. like just just pick. I'm a, I, I can roll with whatever you're gonna go with, but this you're gonna be something new every day. I can't roll with that because to me, what it, what are you doing?
0: And he spends a lot of money <laughs> and, and has now spent a lot of money again, reversing the surgeries. <laughs> Make sure you see the video.
1: <laughs> ever watched, this is a little bit of a, of a side. We track. love a side. No. Have you ever watched botched the show about, yes! about the plastic surge where people have all these different plastic surgeries? I'm thinking these people would be great candidates for botched because on botched people go in there mm-hmm. trying to look like Ken, trying to look like Barbie. I mean, it's just, the mentality of it is so weird, Bianca. Not weird, different. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's what's very, a better word? It's very different. But very Botched, different. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Bosch is a whoof. That show that that right. Talk about there. a rabbit hole. For real. Carry
1: on. <laughs> okay. So we're moving on. Bianca wanna talk about transracial because she was in a rabbit hole. And now we've done that. We're going to move back into something that's not. Something that's not so different. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this week's Money May Gotta Do, we're encouraging you to cut out frivolous spending so that you can put more money towards what you love. So Bianca, as Money May continues, we really wanted to give the wanders a segment on frivolous spending and why That is something that they need to avoid. And I had used, when we were in our production meeting, I had used uh, the example of how I had been able to cut out like 40 to $50 a month on my cable bill. I'm now, I got rid of the the cable company I was using. They were ripping me off. I'm now doing an internet cable-based company. I use Sling and I'm saving like 40, 50 bucks a month. So that got us into this into thinking: Do we want to do a segment for the wonders around frivolous spending and how they can rein that in? Um, because we've never covered this, even though this is our third year of doing Money May. I wanted to define it because I thought that that might be helpful to folks. And so I went to psychology today, and I have a definition that I really liked and I thought was succinct. So I want to offer this to the wonders: Compulsive spending, like many other addictions, is a way of coping with stress, pain. Trauma and other negative emotions. People who engage in compulsive spending respond to negative emotions by spending money. After they make a purchase, they may feel guilty or disappointed, leading to more negative emotions and more spending. And so, this was helpful to me, Bianca, because when I think about the classic signs of someone who might be depressed, they sleep a lot, they eat a lot, they withdraw. I don't know that I've ever associated like uh, frivolous spending or compulsive spending with that, but it is a symptom just the same. Oh, I had a bad day at work. Let me go buy a dress. Oh, my partner broke up with me. I'm going to make myself feel better. I'm going to go buy me a piece of jewelry or buy me some new hair. I think there's a fine line between doing something that truly makes yourself feel good because I do see value in that and just the constant need to fix whatever it is that's ailing you by spending money, because I think that's the dangerous part. When I have felt those sorts of things, as opposed to spending money, I do other things. I'm going to get into my list of things that I recommend, but I'm going to try to to shift people towards doing something that doesn't require them spending money, but it also fills the void, so to speak. Before we get into that, these causes of frivolous spending, did that resonate with you?
0: I, that is me. That's why retail therapy is a thing. That is me. And it's so easy because, you know, you can spend money. You don't have to leave the house. Oh, I'm I'm bored. Let me see what's on Amazon <laughs> that I can buy. Or, oh, I, yeah, had a shitty day. Let me go stroll through Target and throw $200 worth of whatnot into my, into my cart it is so easy to, because it's dopamine, I mean, like doing things to make us feel better, you no, know, regardless of, of what it is. And yes, of course there are healthier coping mechanisms. Like we want to lean, lead people to the, the healthier options, but it's also just very easy to say if I have the means, or sometimes even if I didn't, this buying this Bag buying these glasses <laughs> makes me feel, you know, yeah, it makes me feel good. I definitely know for me many a times where I'm like, oh, let me go buy this. And then it's buyer's remorse or that shopping guilt, that same, it's a cycle for sure. But it's so easy, uh, at least for me to get caught up in, oh, I got a coupon I have to go spend. And I'm having you know, a crappy day or I'm having a great day. I deserve. So it's, it can go either way, but it is, for me, it is very easy to fall into this.
1: My aunt Linda, who I have not talked much about on this show, that that's Shirley's sister. When I was growing up, I noticed something about her. She would do quite a bit of shopping. She would go to the store on, on Saturday. She would take me and my sister with her. We would just go about town buying stuff and, you know, you know, just out Saturday shopping. Bianca, she would... I kid you not, she would end up returning 75% of the stuff she bought. Like when we would go out shopping on Saturday, half of the day would be spent with her returning stuff that she had bought like the week prior or the day prior or whatever. And I never understood what that was about. And looking back on it, I think there was some sort of compulsion that I think she got, she got the high of buying the new dress, the new whatever, but then The buyer's remorse, the whatever, she would always just take it back. I guess once it passed, once she felt better, whatever. It's Mm -hmm. weird that you talking about this literally just brought that back to me. It's like, my aunt would always take stuff back all the time. And and my question is, why did you buy that? Why do you, why do you take such a large volume, such a large percent of the stuff you buy ends up back in the store in a week? What is, why do you do that? Yeah. 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 I got a pair
0: of shoes right now. that I was like, oh, in that moment, in the moment I was like, oh, these are cute. I need these. Got home and I was like, these just ain't cute. I'm taking them back and they didn't fit. Like, even if they fit, I don't think I would have, but there was something about, I don't know, about that rush. We all, I think that's one of the reasons why we cannot judge and shame people in their vices. We can't, because I think we all have we all have something. And, and it if at the root, there is usually a, a feeling that we're trying to feel, or a void that we're trying to fill, or something that we are not dealing with, or whatever, whatever the case may be. So whatever that vice is, whether it's it's shopping, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's sex, whatever it is, there is there is something we are looking for a feeling. And so sometimes it's like, yes, yeah, so I'm going to buy all this shit. And then you're like, damn, I, don't, I need to pay my bills. Let me go run and take that back.
1: In our arc, I had shared an article with you from PNC Bank, which is uh, headlined, How to Stop Spending Money, Top 10 Tips to Stay in Control. These 10 are very simple. I'm going to read all of them and then we'll see, Bianca, if any of these uh, touch the core with you. Number one, create a budget. Number two, visualize what you're saving for. Number three, always shop with a list. Number four, nix the name brands. Number five, master meal prep. Number six, consider cash for in-store shopping. I'm just going to tell y'all that's crazy. Who the hell carries cash? Number seven, remove temptation. Number eight, hit pause. Number nine, think reusable. And number ten, keep at it. I've already kind of spoke out of turn about the cash because it's weird that a bank of all places would tell you to buy cash. For instance, who, who even takes cash? But what do you, what do you have to say about this?
0: So I remember when there's okay. So there's a few things. I remember when I went through this this financial course taught by a there's. Anyway, because I don't, I don't even want to give him space on, on this show, but there's a very uh, famous financial person, right? Um, in, in the realms of a Susie Orman, but not <laughs> white male Christian. People know who I'm talking about. And, and so I had taken this class and one of the things that he said, though, and this was years ago, he was like, Take your cards out of your out of your wallet, essentially use cash, keep cash, because there's something about seeing and feeling the cash like leave your hand that is different and harder than just swiping. Like we can just swipe and not think about it. There isn't that same attachment or recognition as to when you pay cash with something. And that is very true. I have I have a $10 bill in my wallet that I've had forever because for some reason I'm like, ah, no, let me just wait. let me just, you know, so there's something about paying in cash that makes it more difficult. And so the idea is if you want to save money, take cards out, just have cash. And because you are, you are in the moment seeing where it's going as opposed to later having to log into the app. Like it's, it's an instant, oh damn, I just physically spent a hundred dollars. It's a different, it's a different, it's a mind thing, but it's a different reaction.
1: I, I certainly agree with that. I guess my only pushback is that, is that when it comes to frivolous spending, it's not the amount per se, because mm-hmm. it's all frivolous. You don't need any of it. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's not that you spent X on the shoes, it's that you didn't need the shoes no matter what they cost. Mm-hmm. So like, so what, so where my mind goes is I don't need to to keep my money with me in cash so that I'm going to spend less. I don't need to be in the store from the get-go. And so that's, I'm trying to redirect people before they even get into that space, because yeah. when we talk about frivolous spending remember, you don't need any of this by definition is mm-hmm. shit you don't need. Now the name brands, I'm sorry, go ahead. No. Okay, go ahead, because then I'm going to go to number seven. Mm-hmm. So the name brands, to me, my, this is my favorite one, y'all. And, and I think um, I'm just going to read what it says here. And, and if this isn't obvious to people already, when you compare labels, you may be surprised at how much extra you are paying for the name or find your favorite name brand for less at a discount store or online retailer that specializes in last season's must-haves. Y'all, bleach is bleach, paper towels <laughs> are paper towels. You know, so I, I am a gay man of a certain age. I can understand that some things have to be the brand, but you make a list of all the, the the non-brands that you don't need. And for every single one of those, get the cheapest option. I truly don't care where the paper towels come from because in my mind, paper towels are like, they're like trash bags. Why why would anybody spend good money on trash bags? Somebody walk me through it. <laughs> Because when you take it out to the trash, you don't want it
0: to rip and then all that shit bust out. But no, I I get it. (laughs) I get it because my mother is loyal to bounty. You hear me? But wait now, listen. My mother said there is nothing. My mother is loyal to bounty. But I think because I see it with my kids, Um, and the advertisements name brand stuff is not advertised. It's not in your face, but we know the Oscar Mayer jingle. (laughs) We know all of the, you know, because we see, we see the ads and that is how we get. So we go into the store and we see the little hamburger helper, man, the Kool-Aid man. Like that's why we are, we are paying for the name because it's the name we recognize. Um, but no, I agree. I, store brand i am cool with it now every so often i'm like store brand any is good um <laughs> not everything because honey i like an ego waffle don't give yes. me an yes. off brand waffle because it is what? not the same <laughs> that should taste like i'm chewing on cardboard boxes
1: <laughs> i cannot with you okay what where did you want to put
0: um uh real quick remove temptation This one, I think, is very, this one is real. So it says, stop being bombarded with ads luring you to make a spur-of-the-moment purchase every time you check your social media feed. Minimizing your exposure is is as easy as installing an ad blocker and turning off targeted ads in your browser settings. So it's not even just the... Ads, it's really the it's the apps. So I have the Target app on my phone. I have the Amazon app on my phone. I have the it's so easy, it's so convenient. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm gonna stay home so I don't spend any money. But if it's on the phone, I can still, <laughs> I can still spend the money. So I know one thing that I have been trying to be more mindful of, even though I struggle with that there Amazon, but I know. A possible fix would be to remove the, remove the ads, to unsubscribe to all of the stores that send you the coupons.
1: One of the things I want to say before I get into how I redirect my um, frivolous spending, if you know that you eat when you are stressed, when you are pissed off, when you're whatever, I'm not going to ask you not to eat because I think that that is, that's a, that's a big ask. I'm gonna ask you to rethink what you're eating. There is nothing wrong with you eating a big old bowl of fruit salad, a big old bowl of lettuce. Like eat, sure, you mad, go eat. Go eat that fruit salad in that refrigerator. Go eat you a salad. So you're still eating, you are absolutely still eating, but you are changing what you're eating. Don't even put it in your house. I stopped years ago. I stopped buying white bread, white rice, all of those things. Whole milk. Oh, I don't know who drinks whole milk. Lord Jesus, help them. Just, just don't even purchase those things. I don't purchase sodas for the house. I'll have one if I'm out and about, but I don't buy those in the house. So just don't even, don't even keep them there. And so that's just one tip. Maybe you, maybe you're like, that's absurd, Isaiah. I can't not do that. But give it. What do you have to lose? You can, you can give it a try. Now, here's my list, Bianca, of things that I do when I have the urge to spend money, but I don't want to spend money. My number one thing is when I get the urge to splurge on something and I know I shouldn't, I go to the gym because that is that is nothing but rebounding to my healthful benefit. And it is you can burn off energy at the gym. You can wear yourself out on that treadmill. Go to the gym when you want to eat something when you want to do something unhealthy go to the gym now that's that's what i do and we know you have to because in what season one we talked about how expensive your daily
0: gym membership was so you better go get your money's worth <laughs> number
1: two we're just gonna y'all she's she's rude and unprofessional <laughs> and honest. um uh she mentioned this before but this i think she mentioned it because people can have addictions and uh, you can have sex You can always have sex. And if you don't have a partner, you can masturbate. You can masturbate all day and all night. Wear yourself out. Just get you some good lubrication, some good lotion. Stay real nice and moist. It will cost you nothing. Y'all, they have pornographic material for free all over the interwebs. You do not have to leave home. It will cost you nothing. Moving on. Build your business. Okay. You like to spend money? Why don't you spend some time making some money? Invest. Every time you think about spending money, think about this. If I built my business today, I'd have more disposable income to spend on shit that I don't need. If you know that you like to spend money, then just increase the amount of money you have to spend on frivolous things. And the last thing here is just to stay in touch with your friends and family. Pick up your phone, but don't don't open an app. Call somebody. Get in touch with somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Talk about getting together to do something with them. Plan um, an occasion together where you're going to spend money, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Do something with someone else As opposed to going to Target um, and giving Target your money. Give that time and that energy and those resources if you choose to give it to your mother, to your best friend, to someone you haven't connected with in a while. That's what you got to do.
0: Mother's Day is a thing. Speaking of mothers. We didn't even, you know what? We didn't even mention it, but call your damn
1: mama right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your mother, your auntie, your mother figure, your friends that are mamas, um, or spend money on
1: them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> if you I have was, that urge
1: to buy, I was going to ask you: if is it is it frivolous spending? If you're spending it on someone else, is it frivolous spending when you're spending it on Noah and Grace? Ugh,
0: no, probably not. I guess it's things that they need. You know what? I struggle around the holiday though. I'd be like, mm, one gift for them, two gifts oh, for me. I can't
1: even believe you're bringing. This I know. Up tonight, I know. We have discussed this I so many times. Even as I said it, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you gonna funny. tell me the
0: reason for the
1: season? I am, and I'm, and I'm stunned that I have to keep telling an educated black no, woman. No,
0: no, no, you stop. Don't. I heard you. I heard okay. you. I heard okay, you. Um, reach out to your mama figure in, instead of spending money, or spend money on them. They like nice things. They, they do. They do. I do. I do. Let's 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 wrap up and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, to recap, thank you to Emily for coming on, giving us all of the historical facts, the things that we needed to know about the coronation of King Chuck Chuck. And um, yeah, because do we care? No, but did we watch? Some of us did. And yeah, just return those jewels. Um, in all the fields, once again, transracial. Is it a thing? I really, I really, if nothing else wonders, slide into our inbox. I want to hear what you all think. Don't forget, you can email us at wardandwebster at gmail to tell us what you think or text us if you know us. And finally, and gotta do, we want you to cut back on the frivolous spending or think before you shop. Is this a need or a want? Are you shopping to get over a heartbreak, when you really could just be, I don't know, smashing the windows out their car instead, just really, (laughs) where can you be putting your energy instead of uh, in your pocket? Mm-hmm. Or in the pocket of somebody else. Don't make that face. Are you reading with us? Our May Warden Webster Better You Book Club book, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health by Dr. Rita Walker. A reminder we will be reading and re- we will be reviewing this on our June third show. Keep listening. Visit webster.com every Saturday morning for new episodes or wherever you listen to this here iconic podcast. Please continue to rate, subscribe, leave the notes, tell your friends, tell your mama. Give your mama the gift of Ward and Webster for Mother's Day.
1: That's it will cost you, you nothing. It will cost you nothing. That's what you got. Too. Speaking of gotta do, where's my mug? All right, on that
0: note, um I am Bianca, somebody's
1: mama, ward. And I'm Isaiah Webster. We will open next week's show with a conversation around merch. You know I'm gotta go.
0: Do. Gotta go. Uh, have a great day. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs>